For those of you who are visitors, my name is Martin Slack. I'm the pastor of uh, Westlake. And this evening, I would like us to consider the promise of Advent. You see, the prophets who lived and wrote in ancient Israel hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, they realized that at some point in their distant future, God would do something amazing. That through the coming of a king, in the line of David, God would break into history, rescue his people from their enemies, and begin to put everything right. But of all of those prophecies, I think maybe none is so beautiful as the one that Sue Lady read to us earlier from the prophet Isaiah. And he wrote 700 years before Christ. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those are words that have found their way into songs and oratorios. But if those words are perhaps the most beautiful of the promises, Arguably, I think they are perhaps the most relevant for our own day. You see, the situation that Isaiah was facing was surprisingly similar to our own. Look how he begins. By talking about people who dwell in gloom, darkness, and deep darkness. That is the opposite of everything that we tend to associate with Christmas. I mean, think about it. How do you know that the Christmas season is nearly upon us? It's the lights, isn't it? Or at least it was until we had to switch them off. But normally, everyone's at it. You know, our communes hang them from the lampposts. Shops light up their windows. And your neighbour inflates an enormous blow-up Santa, and you wish they didn't. But each of those lights is pointing to something deeper. You see, you could define darkness as simply the absence of light. But that is not how Isaiah thought of it. For him, darkness wasn't just the absence of something. It was the presence of other unwanted things. And he lived and he wrote during the reign of King Ahaz, a reign that was marked by conflict and war and self-serving leadership. In other words, times not so different from our own. And so if in the last year you have looked out at the world and felt gloomy about the future, or if you've seen the dark clouds of war descend over Europe, Isaiah would know something of what you are feeling and thinking. Except in his day, he says that the darkness had settled over the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. And those were tribal areas in the northeast of Israel. And he picks those regions for a reason. Because whenever an enemy army invaded from the north, and invariably they did invade from the north, those regions were the first to be hit. But it wasn't just that they were the most vulnerable militarily and so suffered the most. Okay, look how he describes the whole region. 
Galilee of the nations, because this was the area that was most influenced by the pagan cultures of, the, of its uh, neighboring countries. And that had also had a negative, corrosive impact on the people. You see, right before he gives us the great promises that we're going to look at in chapter 9, in chapter 8, he describes how the people have turned away from the smile of God's face and the light of walking in his ways. And instead, they've turned to idols, to worship and be shaped by and be formed by the gods of war or sex or success. And as a result, they have plunged themselves into a moral darkness. And it is into that time of geopolitical instability and darkness that Isaiah says, God is going to do something incredible. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. It's as if God is saying, hey, it may be like night now, politically, or for you personally, but dawn is coming. And in place of darkness, there is going to be light. In place of shame, God is going to bring joy. And just listen to how he describes that joy. In verse 3, they rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Okay, so imagine that your boss tells you that he is going to give you a bumper Christmas bonus. And he tells you the figure and you can't believe it. Or imagine that your team has just won the World Cup, like England is about to do, because <laughs> it is coming home, as opposed to the Germans who have gone home. Well, God says it is that kind of overflowing, unbelievable joy that I am going to bring. And the reason, Isaiah says, is that God is going to break every oppressive power over the people. Verse 4, For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. It's like a slave being beaten by a cruel master, but someone stronger rushes to their rescue, pushes the slave driver away and breaks his rod. Except, rather than do it through a show of overwhelming force, God is going to do it, Isaiah says, as on the day of Midian. Now, what does that mean? Well, centuries before, when Israel was being oppressed by the armies of Midian, God raised up a man called Gideon to free them. Except before God would let Gideon go into battle with his army, he first whittled that army right down. Facing an army of tens of thousands, God reduces Gideon's army down to only 300. The odds are impossible. Defeat is certain. Against such an enemy, an army so small stands no chance. And yet, 
God uses those few men to win a stunning victory. Fascinating, you might say, but what has that got to do with Christmas? Well, Isaiah is saying, God is going to do it again. He is going to shine in the darkness. He's going to bring the joy of the harvest and the joy of victory. He is going to break the power of oppression. But he is going to do it through something impossibly weak and hopelessly outnumbered. So how does he do it? By sending the king in David's line. Except not a king in full battle armor, with sword drawn, but a king come as a baby. As Isaiah says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. A baby born 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. Now, just a few days back was Thanksgiving, a feast when, among other things, Americans give thanks for not being British. Okay, I I try not to be hurt. Or they give thanks for not being ruled by a king. And for, um, for some, the idea that a king might be the answer to all of your problems, that probably seems crazy. I mean, aren't they the reason for so many of our problems? Kings and presidents, they're the cause of so many problems. But listen, if you have ever found yourself criticizing your country or another country's leaders, you are acknowledging that what we really need are good leaders. Leaders who serve, leaders who are wise, Leaders who always do what is right and have the power to do it. And Isaiah is saying, this baby to be born, he's that leader. And the burden of darkness and the weight of gloom will be lifted off of our shoulders when he takes the burden of leadership on his Now, while Isaiah looked forward to that king's birth at Christmas, we get to look back at a promise fulfilled. Because when he says, and his name shall be called, he doesn't say Jesus, does he? But he still tells us his name. Because in his culture, a person's name was a way of talking about his character, of who he was and what he's like. So, who is this newborn king whose coming was promised? Well, firstly, Isaiah says, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, a friend of mine recently tried to get an appointment with a psychologist, but there were no appointments to be had. The waiting list was too long. And the growth, if you think about it, the growth in people seeking counseling or therapy tells you something, doesn't it? It tells you that all is not well in our culture. 
But of course, just as in Isaiah's day, if we turn away from the smile of God's face and instead pursue all of these other things, whether that's power or success or wealth, and think by pursuing them that we're going to find happiness, it's no wonder that life can seem dark. But Isaiah says, this king, he's the wonderful counselor. He's the one who is able to diagnose your heart's problems and heal them. Secondly, his name should be called Mighty God. The one you know is there. The one with the power to do the impossible. The one with the power to defeat the darkness. That's who this king is. But of course, that's the greatest paradox of Christmas, isn't it? That the baby, the baby being held by Mary is the God who holds everything, including your life, together. But that's not just the greatest paradox of Christmas. It's also the greatest challenge. Because when you see a baby, what do you instinctively do? You go all gooey, don't you? Oh, isn't he lovely? Oh, he's so gorgeous. If this baby born in Bethlehem is the mighty God, it's not our goose that he's after. It's our worship. Thirdly, his name shall be called Everlasting Father. Now, I don't know what uh, your relationship was, uh, your relationship with your father was or is like. Maybe you wish it had been better. Or maybe you are incredibly grateful for his love and his presence in your life. Whichever it is, all of us know or wish we knew the power of a father. But what if the greatest of all fathers... What if a father whose love for you is everlasting and never runs out, what if that father were to draw near to you? What power for good might that release in your life? Well, Isaiah says, it is that father's love that this son to be born is going to bring. But fourthly, his name should be called Prince of Peace. So it's not just light and joy that Christ brings, it's peace. Peace with yourself. Peace with others. Because when you know that your heavenly Father loves you, a love that is not based on your performance, you can stop the endless striving to prove yourself to yourself or to others. But above all, peace with God. You see, while all of us will one day die, elsewhere Isaiah tells us that this baby was born to die. And at the cross, Jesus took upon himself all the darkness so that we might know light. He took all of the discord so that we might experience peace. And as he did, God the Father turned his face away from him, that he might turn his smile upon us for everlasting. That is what God is promising to do, Isaiah says. And Christmas tells us 
He's done it. The child has been born. The son has been given. The king has come. And the light and the joy and the healing of hearts and the love and the peace of the Father are yours to receive. Let's pray together.